episode number 19, One Golden Moment Podcast, Justice L. Santos, Rory O'Toole. Yeah, yeah. Roy, the, the last time we, we heard from you, you were currently uh, locked up in a cell. Uh, what's the situation on that? Are you, are you uh... Well, you know, somebody dropped the bag. I got out of here. And now I'm in sunny Los Angeles, you know, working my way back up towards Northern California. You know, so I've been here for about a week, hanging out with LeBron, trying out his tequila uh, and his wine. So it's been... It's been uh, a slight improvement from Tijuana prison. I can imagine it being improvement. Welcome, and uh, you know, when you eventually get back to here, welcome back to the Bay. Welcome back to civilization. <laughs> I hope so. I have to go through Bakersfield though to get there, so I don't know if I'll make it. I got family out in Bakersfield. I don't know if that's like another Filipino capital that I wasn't aware of. Is that really? No way. Well, the only people that I know from Bakersfield are Filipino. Wow. I'd have think, to pull up some demo data on that. I don't think that's indicative of the entire population, but... uh, No, that's a large enough sample size, bro. Three, three people? people? Yeah. <laughs> that's how science works. But to not, to not bury the lead, um, last time we talked was regarding the firing of Wyking Jones, and I think it's sa- uh, safe to say that we both thought it would be take a little longer than it would be until a new coach was hired but deja vu, deja vu. apparently not i think it, this was even was even shorter than the the transition from kwanzo to Viking. i believe when i was uh, writing that timeline piece that you should go check out if you haven't read it's a timeline of the Viking jones era it has a lot of interesting nuggets you may have forgotten about but i believe i believe it was 10 days and this one was five, so maybe the next coach is just hired in three days, and then next coach is hired the day after. So I don't know. Yeah, that's I, it's kind of troubling, uh, at least to me, how quick it was. I would have liked the longer process, just really dot our eyes and cross the t's of coaching candidates out there. Well, that's one of the uh, the topics that I want to get into later on. But to just lay out the news for those who may have not have heard. Uh, you may have had to have been in a, a foxhole to not hear about this one. So last Sunday, we were talking about the firing of Viking Jones. It was made official by Cal Athletics. Jim Knowlton said in a teleconference that his timetable for uh, hiring a new coach was ASAP. And uh, it was definitely quick. Five days after this past Friday, which would be March uh, 29th, I believe. Less than a week after the firing of Viking Jones, Cal has hired Mark Fox to be his replacement. Just a little biographical information regarding Fox. He is 50 years young, born in Garden City, Kansas. He has been a head coach for 14 seasons and an assistant coach for 12. He's definitely been around the block a couple times. He was the head coach at Nevada and Georgia and compiled a cumulative 286 and 176 record at nevada he was 123 and 43 with three ncaa appearances and was thrice named western athletic conference's coach of the year at georgia not the same level of success going 163 and 133 with two ncaa tournament appearances albeit with no wins it is worth noting though that georgia did win 20 plus games in three straight seasons from 2013 to 2016 something the program hadn't done since the late 1990s uh, some of Fox's most notable recruits, uh, Ramon Sessions, JaVale McGee, Luke Babbitt, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. You know, serviceable role players, but not really any superstars that he's producing. 
Uh, we can get into the biograph or the sort of the schematics later in the podcast, what we could expect out of the offense and the defense. I definitely have some thoughts on that. But uh, I guess just, well, should we go into Trent Johnson for, as well, just to lay it all out? Because he did hire an assistant as well, Trent Johnson, who they previously worked together. And I think that's a little worth noting. Yeah, no, that that was a uh, big, and that was the day after, right? That they announced yeah, his so, hiring. so I'll just lay that out as well. Uh, Trent Johnson has been brought along to be an assistant coach as well. It was a day after the hiring of Mark Fox. Uh, 62 did not coach last season just like Fox, but brings more than three decades of experience, having spent 17 seasons as an assistant head coach and 14, or as a head coach rather, and 14 as an assistant. Uh, him and Fox have worked together, as I mentioned. He was Fox was an assistant under Johnson at Nevada from 2000 to 2004 before Fox took over the program. And Fox and Johnson also worked together at one season at Washington as assistants. Uh, while Johnson has never coached at Cal, I would say Cal fans and people who have covered the team are pretty familiar with him. Not only was he actually born in Berkeley, he wasn't raised here, but born in Berkeley. Uh, he coached at Stanford for nearly a decade, having spent three seasons as an assistant and four years as a head coach from 2004-2008. At Stanford as the head coach, he led the Cardinal to an 80-48 and record, three trips to the NCAA tournament, and a Sweet 16 appearance in 2008. He also recruited a, I would say it's a pretty legendary class, both the Lopez brothers, Brooke and Robin, as well as Landrew Fields. He also coached at Nevada, LSU, and TCU, not the same level of success, and he only had one tournament appearance between those three programs, and then the aforementioned assistant, he also was an assistant at Utah, Washington, Rice, and uh, Stanford, as well as one season at Louisville uh, during the 2016-17 season. So, now that we've sort of got the uh, biographical information out the way, I just wanted to throw that all out there for the audience who may not know these individuals. Uh, you mentioned the timetable and that's one of the things we can get into but i just wanted to sort of gauge what are your general thoughts on the hiring you know we immediately exchanged text messages afterwards i would say my opinion has sort of shifted the more research i've done but i've done a lot of talking so let me, let me pass it on to you yeah i mean my initial reaction was wow that was really really quick um and i wasn't ecstatic and i wasn't angry it's just kind of a eh, kind of a meh kind of feeling i mean he's a solid hire for sure but i felt it was kind of conservative maybe even a little timid and i know the search firm uh that's led by ted turner i think his name is um they have uh they've shown in the past that they like to hire former coaches i think they got kevin stallings hired at pitt and uh, Danny Manning at uh, Wake Forest. So it makes sense with this search firm that they would uh, choose uh, another former coach in Mark Fox. So it's a solid hire, I suppose. It doesn't really excite the fan base. It doesn't excite me. Um, I never was impressed with those Georgia teams, but, I mean, when you look at his endorsements from Brad Stevens to Gina Oriema, it's uh, – that does make you think that maybe this guy could be something. And I did think the timetable on the hiring was, you know, Knowlton did say he wanted to get this thing done as soon as possible. But, you know, considering just how fast the process was with Conzo to Wiking, there was a feeling that, you know, I was expecting this thing to be done 
no later than like mid-April, but it was just super fast. Like the Viking is officially gone last Sunday, the 24th. I believe the hiring firm is brought on, I think Wednesday or Tuesday, and then he's hired on Friday. And then the the crazier thing was we didn't even hear rumors about his name until Thursday. So we didn't even have 24 hours to fully digest the possibility of Mark Fox being head coach. And then, you know, afternoon hits and he's the head coach. And it all, it was just, you know, it all just happened super fast. I think that's going to be one of the questions that I ask tomorrow during the press conference when he's officially introduced is what was sort of the timetable on this because I there had to have been some level of communication that extends farther back than just Thursday. I mean, you would think, yeah, you would think. I mean, that's a, yeah, uh, but knowing this uh, coaching search firm they do definitely have a pattern of hiring former coaches so i wonder if they had his name circled for whoever took them on as a client and we're just going to suggest it from jump and maybe nolton liked it from the very first time he heard it and then it was just kind of a quick process from there i i really don't know and i think one of the things to consider that we talked about very kind of ad nauseum throughout the entire season with Viking as well as the last podcast we did was, you know, how much of a factor did money play into this? Because you got to figure that money played at least somewhat of into the decision-making because you also got to remember that in addition to paying Fox's salary, whatever that may be, they also have to pay the remaining three million of Vikings, a five million or yeah, five-year, five-million contract. And you also got to consider that Fox is probably going to be paid more than Viking just because that that's tip you typically don't see a scenario where the next coach takes a cut or you know a very incremental raise I think it has to, I would imagine it being maybe like 1.5 maybe just because you also have to consider it's like what is it going to take for him to to take this offer to build the program and you know take a hit on his coaching record too oh yeah of course no he's definitely getting paid more than whatever Viking was making so but he is on the cheaper end I believe so that's he was probably attractive in that sense he's not like a Jason kid where it's like yeah you give me 10 million dollars or whatever I'm sure <laughs> he made a ridiculous <laughs> uh, claim well speaking of Jason kid that, that actually kind of leads into something else that I wanted to talk about which you know, we never really got to have our con- like a full conversation about, you know, what a po- like the next possible head coach yeah, we of thought Cal we were. could look like. That was actually our next podcast, basically. And then, because we thought we were going to have more time. And then, I guess not. <laughs> Jim Knowlton had other ideas. Well, maybe not Jim Knowlton. Maybe it was the, the players, as we mentioned in the last podcast. So there was several names that um, that floated around. I know that California Golden Blogs did their whole, um, their big board. Uh, some of the most prominent names that I heard, Travis DeCure at Montana, because he was also a, a Mike Montgomery disciple. A lot of people thought that he was going to be the next in line. But then, you know, Conzo Martin comes out of, from the top rope. Uh, Jason Kidd was the biggest name. Uh, I've also heard, you know, Theo Robertson, 
um, among others. So while we never got to have this full conversation, what was your thought process in regards to what direction Cal could go in? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of different options. Jason Kidd was the ultimate let's excite the fan base potential hire. Because if you hire Jason Kidd, that gets a lot of casual fans and students who may not be paying attention but are more familiar with the NBA. They're like, oh, Jason Kidd's coaching Cal? Oh, I'll go to a game or two. Which is something that we've talked about before where the fan base is pretty dead at this point. The student interest is really low. So Jason Kidd as a hire would be pretty amazing. I thought uh, Russell Turner at UC Irvine would have been an interesting choice. He did a really good job down there with the Anteaters. And then, of course, you always have Randy Bennett just in our backyard. And, uh, I mean, there was even, like, Eric Musselman. There was some talk about him. And uh, I, DeCure is the one that everyone seems to love as, like, a potential hire for Cal. A lot of insiders and people who really pay attention to the team always bring his name up. So I did not see Mark Fox coming at all. He was uh, <laughs> surprised me. It was definitely a from the top rope hiring. Yeah. I know that a lot of people turned on Russell Turner after the Oregon game. You know, there was that clip of him calling uh, Louis King of Oregon, Louis or Queen. Just you know, at a at a place like Berkeley, that's that's not gonna it's not gonna fly. But I would say, I would say for me, the two hires that I wanted to just of the potential options that I was seeing, I was kind of leaning towards either DeCure or Kid. With Kid, it kind of felt like a, what would be a proper comparison in terms of a player? It, it felt like a, maybe like a, you know, Penny Hardaway, Brandon Roy, not in terms of coaching, but in terms of like their play career, very explosive to begin. And then it kind of fizzles out from there. And what I mean by that is I can imagine Kid, you know, staying for a couple seasons, a lot of big name prospects, a lot of prospects from the AAU circuit, Oakland Soldiers, stuff of that nature. And then if another lucrative opera was to present itself, he would jump at that. You know, I'm not entirely sure what Kid's thought process would be if he was to take this job, but just considering how his name is circulated in NBA coaching rumors, especially with the Lakers, I could imagine a scenario where if that job presented itself, he just takes it. And then Dakir was the one that it seemed to be the more realistic option and the more favorable option in a sense. Well, he did get the stamp of approval from both Mike Montgomery and a slew of former players. He's relatively young in terms of coaching. You know, Montana has been solid under him. And the one thing that kind of in a sense, may have deterred Cal was the fact that he did agree to an extension. And I don't believe he ever put, I don't believe he put pen to paper on the extension by the time Cal had signed Fox. But maybe the idea that he signed the extension and the money that could have potentially been on the table was enough for Cal to just say, you know, it would have been fun. It would have been a nice reunion, but we're going to go a different way. And if, if we ever do come upon the the actual dollars and cents for DeCure, I think that'll make a little more sense and justify the decision a little more. Yeah. Yeah, DeCure is the one that, I don't know. I was I was kind of hoping for that. But um, I, did you really think Jason Kidd was a real possibility? I never really... I always thought it was more 
fans getting excited, kind of hoping, but I didn't see any. He so clearly wants to be a coach in the NBA. Yeah, as fun as it would have been for Jason Kidd to come onto the program, you know, make a splash in recruiting, I've also, just in these fan sites, I've heard that, oh, what if Kidd come, maybe he gets uh, Sharif, or maybe he gets Gary Payton, or stuff of that nature. And because then you would have, like, a very... Wow. Maybe not Gary Payton. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. What they may not have in, like, what that core may not have in just pure coaching skill you definitely have in recruiting like imagine sharif gary, gary payton, payton and, and jason, jason kidd, kidd like, like knocking, knocking on your door it's like, like hey, hey you want to come, come play, play for cal? cal we have seen a lot of former nba players go in the college coaching uh ecosystem lately with uh chris mullen at st john's penny at memphis uh patrick ewing ewing at georgetown so it's definitely uh, a path for some players but I never got that sense from Kid. He's very NBA oriented, and he was just on the jump recently, kind of doing his own little PR um, to get the Lakers job. So I don't think his mind was at uh, anywhere near Berkeley. Also, did you hear this thing about needing a degree to coach Cal? Yeah. So apparently, I don't even think that's a Cal thing. I I think we I don't know if we talked about this on the last podcast. But I think that's an NCAA thing where in order to coach, you need a bachelor's degree at the very minimum. And then there was the rumor, uh, I believe Mark J. Spears reported that Jason Kidd was working to get his bachelor's. It's it's sort of like a correlation causation thing. Like, was he working to get it because he wanted it or was he working to get it because he wanted the Cal job? Who's to say? But to sort of bounce off your thoughts on Kidd, Yeah, I just feel like his heart is in the NBA at this point in time. You know, the Lakers job is pretty lucrative, but even at that with the Nets and the Bucks, uh, regardless of how good of a coach he may be in the NBA and whether or not he's more suited for college, because as we both know, college is, you know, at times half of it is just recruiting and getting the most talented players. But yeah, I never really got that sense that he was all in. When he did make that appearance on the jump, it kind of, he did that like, classic like i'm not gonna deny it but i'm also not gonna say it's true and so it just leaves us in this weird middle ground between what he may be doing with where his mind is kind of leaning but i would say the the one thing with the fox hire and you know there's not that big of a, a difference in age between you know decure and fox and you know, because Dakir's 48 and Fox is 50, but the w- the one thing that I looked for from the jump, regardless of who was hired, was their age and the propensity for them to stay long-term. Because if you look at some of the best programs in the country, and even if you look at some of the best programs in the Pac-12, you know, Arizona and Oregon, uh, maybe not uh, Arizona for long, <laughs> but <laughs> some of the best coaches and some of the best programs are when you see coaches that are there for the long haul. You know, you know you know you obviously have like the Dukes and the Kentuckys of the world, but if you can get a coach that's there for, you know, 5, 6, 7 years and they bring a sense of stability, I think that's something that's attractive to the players. And I think this also leads into the thing about Fox, which is just a general personality. You know, 
I've gotten the sense, you know, I had a conversation um, with a student journalist at Georgia. Uh, let me find his name. Man, his name is slipping me, but I'll bring his name up the next time I see him. But the conversation, I, I sort of brought up the point that he seemed like a very uh, high character guy, you know, typical stereotype of co of coaches that don't have the, the best records. Wasn't a good guy. Good, good guy. guy. So that's that's what I've heard about him. He's a great guy, coaches the right way, runs a clean program, graduates his guys. You won't see too many players transferring from the program. I believe I read somewhere that the most players he's lost in a season that aren't graduation related was like two and they were grad transfers, which is kind of amazing considering just how hot the grad transfer market is. And, you know, considering just how unstable in a word these past two seasons have been with constant players shuffling out a lot of rumors off the court I think that if anything at the bare minimum Knowlton just needs some stability and I think that Fox just based on what I've read and then also yeah as you mentioned getting the endorsements from Van Gundy Stevens and Oriema I think that Fox is one of the perfect candidates to do that. Yeah, I mean, he, you, you're right about the stand-up guy uh, aspect of it, which I think was no, – that's something that Knowlton seems to stress. He really likes high-character guys, uh, which Justin Wilcox definitely seems like he fulfills that. And then Fox, from everything I've learned, uh, I mean, he had all those quotes during the FBI investigations about – you know, uh, this is terrible, this corruption scandal. I've been talking about it for years. It's got to stop. It's wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> so, I mean, he's definitely a guy who tries to do it the right way and is uh, old school and in a complimentary fashion. I don't mean to slander him with the old school label. Old school in the best sense of the word. He's got honor, you know, sense of duty. Moxie. Yeah. <laughs> so... I mean, and he had some experience with Team USA, right? That's how he knows these coaches. Oh, yeah. Obviously, he's a well-respected guy, which is, you know, I don't think he's going to have a hit list on journalists like Wyking did, you know? He does, does, oh, yeah. So. I was also reading, you know, just in general doing research, I was reading an article, and I'm forgetting the, the author's name, but the author of this story was mentioning how he wasn't going to be able to make a practice because he had to care for this his one-year-old kid. Yeah, I don't remember if it was a football or basketball, but then Fox is just straight up like, bring it, bring your kid to the practice. And, you know, it's a, it's a very small gesture, but things like that go a very long way. And just in doing the readings and stuff of that nature, I could imagine just next season when I'm covering the team, it's like midterm season, you know, I'm in the press room, I'm asking him a question, he just, like, he's like, hey, hey how's your midterms? Like, that's the type of person, like, I, I can imagine him being that type of person, essentially. Yes, totally. I mean, and I think we can't rule out the fact he may have been recruiting that kid, you know, doing the very long con, you know, be nice to that little kid. <laughs> he's going to remember when he's 18 years from now and this kid can shoot from three to a eight. We have, a, we have a long relationship, so I like it. That's what I want out of my coaches. Yeah, that's just, 
and you know just in general the there's a feeling that it's a complete you know 180 from some of the semantics and some of the the underlying things that happened during the Viking era I just with everything that I've read about Fox uh, I don't imagine there being a uh, to go down memory lane a Brandon Chaka situation oh man yeah I don't think he's had anything like that at Georgia I mean you heard rumblings about KCP maybe there's some shenanigans going on there with getting him to go to Georgia um but like those were just rumors and they were never you know substantiated so and he never had any personal issues with players as far as I can tell so he definitely seems like a no-drama kind of guy. Yeah, and the thing with, you know, the Chaka situation, you know, it's going to be... These are obviously allegations, but it's sort of the idea that, you know, if you're handling your business, you're treating everyone with respect, there's not really... You know, I'm not saying Chaka is truthful, I'm not saying he's lying, but I'm just saying that... You know, if these things do come out and you hear all these rumors, it's kind of like, you know, who it it definitely brings into question true colors. And, you know, that all that stuff that we talked about, uh, about, you know, whether this team actually loves each other, it definitely it it brings that it it makes it a little questionable to say to to be at the very minimum. Yeah, it's uh. It's just kind of nice to be rid of that uh, behind-the-scenes kind of whisperings and rumblings about why King and what he's like with his players and or the media. So it's a fresh start with Fox. I've only heard good things so far, so it's definitely appealing in that sense. It definitely feels like a a metaphorical sage being placed around the program. You know, the program is being cleansed in a sense. But actually, in, in not even in a metaphorical sense, because if you go onto the Cal Bears website right now and you look at the 2018-19 roster and you look at the coaches, there's only one coach on there. It's just Fox. Viking's not there. Grace isn't there. Walker isn't there. Not even, like, the athletic training staff for some reason. I don't know, like if this is a full house operation but i did know i do know that uh david grace did like retweet a picture or a tweet of fox being hired so i don't really know what's going on with that i think it is worth noting though that uh at least in regards to the 2018-19 roster Viking has uh, kind of uh, been scrubbed from the <laughs> the the page yeah it's um I feel like this Viking Jones era is going to be one of those things that, you know, gets brought up at the metaphorical bar between Cal fans at 3 a.m. Right before everyone leaves for home and they're like, man, Viking Jones. And you just go on a 20-minute rabbit hole of discussing all the crazy and depressing moments of the Viking Jones era. It's one of those things you want to suppress. Except for, you know, 
very late at night when you're musing on what what could have been and what happened in the past. Well, I think it's that is worth. This isn't completely related to Fox, but you know, since Viking has been officially let go, I keep finding myself thinking about what could have been, because the eight win seasons, all of the like the sixteen game losing streak, the sixteen forty seven record, none of this was inevitable. You know, Viking. You know, he was dealt a bad hand. Like we can give him that. He had, I believe, in this in the timeline that I wrote. You know, Jabari Bird was among the uh, the players that were graduating. Sam Singer, Grant um, Grant Mullins. You know, they were just gone because they were seniors. Rab goes to the draft. Cameron Rooks transfers. Charlie Moore transfers. You know, the team. The only two players that return from Conzo's last season are Don Coleman and Kingsley Okoro. And regardless of how good of a, like the only recruiting classes that can really negate the effect of losing that many players are like Kentucky, Duke, Arizona, Oregon. And so you do have to admit that Viking was dealt a bad hand in that sense. But at the same time, there is a feeling that if Viking did play the cards that he had right, if a couple of things shook his way, Maybe we're looking, you know, I, I'm not saying that he wouldn't have been fired. I just believe that, you know, if considering all that we know, he would have had to go at some point. I don't see him being the long-term solution for Cal. He always felt like a, a kind of a transitionary coach into uh, from Kwanzaa to whoever was going to take over after. That's because of the circumstances behind his hire. I mean, he was hired by a previous athletic director. He was from Kwanzaa's staff. Uh, they only hired him because he was cheap in the Cal Athletic Department's financial situation. So it, I don't think he ever felt completely secure in his job. And no one in the media or the players or the fans really felt like he was here for the long haul. Yeah, there definitely was that feeling as well, just because of you know how quick it happened. But to sort of get back to the, what I was talking about in regards to how this was inevitable, just, you know, I could imagine a scenario, like, I was I was kind of, like, thinking of, you know, the, the retrospective on the Viking Jones era. And for my lead, I was thinking about how, you know, like, the multiverse theory, that there's, like, an infinite number of universes where anything and everything could have happened. And I'm not exactly envisioning a universe where Cal goes undefeated and wins a national championship. But I am envisioning a universe where, you know, things shake their way a little more. Because you look at all the decommitments that happened as a result of Jones being hired. You know, Jamal Baker, who eventually goes to Kentucky, he received a release from his letter of intent four days after um, Trevin Gnell. He was kind of a... He, would have, he wouldn't have been able to play on the team until this upcoming season because of a mission, but he decommitted after after the fact. And then you had, you know, Austin McCulloch, Deshaun Winston. They never really got their fair shot, and they de decommitted after. Or they didn't decommit. They transferred after one year. You know, the Charlie Moore transfer, the Cameron Rooks transfer, and then also losing out on Jordan Brown, losing out on Ira Lee. Because the, the thing that I envisioned was heading into Vikings first year, there's a hypothetical incoming class of Suing, McNeil, Harris Dyson, Ira Lee, in addition to Marcus Lee, Jamal Baker, Winston, Winston 
McCullough, and Antisevich. That's a nice thing. That's not, ex- there's not really a superstar in the middle of all that, but that's about, I'm, I'm hoping I'm counting this right, but that's like eight players, eight freshmen. And if you develop them in a, if you develop them and you allow them to grow and you give them all playing time, now you're looking at a potential like four years down the line, a very experienced team, a veteran team, something akin to Washington. And, you know, these are all players that I could imagine would stay the course for all four seasons. But, you know, as we know, things don't shake that way. Even if, you know, take Ira Lee and Jamal Baker out of that scenario, you still have six very young players, all with potential, and, you know, grow them, develop them, and then see where you have in four years. But then, as we know, things don't really shake out that way. So back to, like, the whole idea of Sage, I think that they, <laughs> I think it's just it's good for Cal at this point in time to just get a completely fresh start and see where Fox can take them. Yeah, and just to finish off the Viking point, I mean, I do believe that character is destiny, and from just a personal standpoint and from a coaching style and schematic standpoint, his character was never top-notch. So, I mean, I'm not surprised it kind of ended terribly because immediately when he got hired, like, from two years ago, if you read the fan reaction and the media reaction, people were kind of shocked and kind of lambasted Cal for hiring him. So people were sort of expecting this. I mean, you're right. We could have landed some recruits and maybe things go differently, but it was never, I don't remember any really big optimistic moments during this era (laughs) besides, you know, hoping that Jordan Brown would look past our dysfunction and kind of give us a shot. Um, so I'm not surprised it happened. We all kind of saw this coming in a way. So now we get to move on finally. So what do you think this means, if anything, for Darius? Do you think the possibility, like him being, or Fox being hired maybe allows him to change course? Or do you think Darius is kind of just, to quote T.I., or rather Justin Timberlake, dead and gone? Dude, the reference is so strong. You already know. You already know. Um, I don't know. Well, I don't know the circumstances behind the decision to transfer besides the basketball reasons. I mean, there's personal reasons that could definitely be factoring in here that would make it, you know, impossible for him to come back or just, you know, not ideal. So I, I really don't know. I mean, I could see Darius saying, you know what? We got a new coach. Maybe I'll actually come back. Which actually touches on something I wanted to ask you. Uh-oh. Does Cal know what it's doing? Because there's two possibilities here. Knowlton purposely let it be known that Viking Jones is coming back. And then get, gauge the fan reaction and the media reaction. And then based on that reaction, decided whether or not to keep Viking Jones. Or he was going to bring Jones back. The players come and tell him, you cannot do this. The media is clowning him. The fans are clowning him. And he gets basically embarrassed into hiring a new coach. So either Jim Nolan is like Machiavelli and like great schemer, like testing the fishing, the public's reaction, or he has no idea what he's doing and kind of got, had to be hit over the head 
to get rid of Viking Jones. I, see multiple. I really don't know. I see multiple sides to this because on one end, I can imagine Knowlton just being so bogged down by the financial aspect of it that, you know, I think I alluded to like the truth serum. It's like, if he had to take it, would you want Viking back? He'd probably say no, but this is just the hand I've been dealt. This is what I got to do. And so in regards to bringing Viking back for the third year, I think that was his entire thought process. I think if you had, you know, if he was in court and the judge was like, defend Viking Jones, but you can't use financials, he would say the most generic, like, uh, he's a character guy, stuff like that. Mm. But, you know, there is the, it did take a coup in order for him to change course. So, I mean, that's, that and like uh, Sam Vecini, I believe, tweeted. That's like no one really remembers anything like that happening before. So it needed like extra, extra, extra action for Viking to, uh, you know, go. Well, I guess that does. If that was what it, if that's what happened, I think that speaks to what the relationship was really like versus what we were seeing on the surface. So I think that's worth considering as well. Maybe it wasn't even a financial thing. Maybe it was just, well, not fi- not a not a financial thing, but like, hey, you know, this is what you see, but this is what we experience, and this needs to be known to you. Something of that nature. I mean, but- I'm just a little concerned that Knowlton may not be as composed and strategic as maybe we may have thought because just the way this gone down and the hire is so quick like like you said less time than it took to hire Viking from a, a guy who was already on the staff of the coach who left and then with the will he stay won't he stay kind of drama of it all it was just a very weird very unprofessional kind of <laughs> uh, process so I'm that doesn't make me feel great. Well, now that I think about it, I think that this whole situation, you know, everything about the Pat, like the Viking Jones era has just been so unprecedented that you yeah. know, our, sta- our standard for normalcy has just been thrown out the window because we don't know what normal is anymore. So, you know, a normal hiring process might take a month, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, but you know, something that's, not five days, but the circumstances have just been so dire that, you know, they've had to make these decisions. A coup was needed for Viking to leave, and then, you know, Fox being hired five days after. So, you know, I don't, I think that in for terms five of, days, my God. I think that the way that we look at this has to be viewed through the lens, like, you know, you know, like beer goggles, it has to be viewed through that, through that lens. That's just how crazy the past two seasons have been, and I don't think we should judge it by completely normal standards. That's true. But at the same time, I feel like it does help to kind of take that Martian perspective. Like, let's look at this just from a macro, completely objective point of view. This has been a really strange, strange saga since the season ended. There hasn't been a lot of normal, like you were saying. And that's not great for your program. Um, so I I think I read an article in the San Jose Mercury News. I'm sorry, I don't remember the author, but uh, he said that usually when a hiring process 
is flawed, the uh, choice is going to be flawed as well. So this was a bit of a flawed hiring process. So I don't know if that bodes very well for Mark Fox and how this turns out. I definitely, I know what you mean. I think that another thing that could have potentially factored into it was, you know, if these players are going to, like, some of these players, the idea of transferring is definitely on their minds. And I think there could have, you know, in that potential meeting, you know, I could have imagined a scenario where some of the players were like, okay, we need to, not a, not a him or me scenario. It's like, okay, like in that meeting, I can imagine someone saying, we know that Viking is going to be gone. But here's the thing too. I want to decide my future and I need to know it now. So you need to hire a coach fast and allow me to make my decision early on in the process rather than it being the summertime. And I don't know whether I'm coming back to Cal or going to another program. So that's another thing I could imagine. Them, the players sort of pressuring Knowlton to get this done fast so that they can know what they want to do with their futures. I'm not saying that's the truth. This is just me trying to gauge why this decision would come so fast when this is the opportunity for you to take a step back and let things sort of settle down. Yeah, but I mean, does that make you feel good? If the, to me, that's troubling if you could be like, you know, pressured that much by the players as to what your decision-making timetable is going to be. I mean, I don't really want the players dictating how fast or how slow that process is going to be. It needs to be – it shouldn't be about the speed. It should be about finding the right choice. So I don't know. It's – things like that make me uh, a little uneasy about it all. Yeah, I'm just trying to – I'm just kind of spitballing at this point. I'm trying to make sense of what could have prompted them to possibly make this decision go by so fast. Uh, I think something that's – Something that's worth noting, and we see this a lot with athletes, is the the social media reaction following the big news. And I think it's worth noting that if you go on uh, Viking Jones's Twitter, uh, there's no mention of Cal, not in his bio, not in his header. Well, he did write a letter thanking the fan base. Right? He, did. he did, but in terms of like biography, there's nothing there. Uh, if you go on Darius McNeil's Twitter. It's still Cal. Like his profile picture of him in the Cal uniform, uh, the shoes, yellow. Um, I pre- presumably shoes that he wore during his tenure at Cal. Uh, let me find his bio real quick. This is weird territory that I'm embarking under. It just says stay low key. But his pin tweet is his pin tweet is when he broke the freshman record for most threes in a season. So it's not like he's completely abandoned Cal either. And that's, that's what kind of leads me to think, you know, is this him really going or, you know, was this him pressuring? Because the thing about him is that he never, he didn't commit to transfer anywhere. He's just in the portal. Mm-hmm. So I'm not familiar with the semantics regarding the transfer portal, but I believe that means he can just come back if he, if that's what's on his mind. Yeah. I, but yeah, I don't know what the process is, like the paperwork and once you commit, whether you can go back on that. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, on the podcast that never got released, <laughs> which is just <laughs> legend now, we were talking about the possible transfers. And uh, I'm wondering if that the Fox hiring completely negates that possibility of the guys we were mentioning, like Juwan, uh, maybe Justice. 
um, some other players from transferring because we were expecting a mass exodus out of the program following the news that Viking was staying. So I'll be, I don't know. I mean, I guess Fox being hired that that kind of puts a damper on that. What do you think? I think I remember reading somewhere that Fox had already began communicating with uh, the players on Cal's roster. And if that is indeed true, that's a really big stepping stone into, you know, establishing a relationship early on and creating uh, a healthy environment in terms of what they can expect going forward into the summer. Uh, Just because Fox was hired, I don't think this automatically means players will completely go back on their decision of whether or not to transfer. You know, some of the concerns that we're bringing up, you know, how fast it was done, who exactly they selected. I've, And, you know, some of these these players more likely than us have more inside knowledge on like the whole the logistics of how this went down. And all of that combined together might influence them to just transfer anyway, which if that's what happened, like we've seen this happen we, with, you know, when Viking was hired, Jamal Baker decommits and, you know, unfortunately as it sounds might mean a decommitment uh i don't know what the possibility of that actually is i don't know if he's actually gotten in touch with the incoming freshman class but these are some things to consider just from the perspective of a player you know definitely yeah i'll be interested to see what goes on with that because i have the feeling that these recruits were probably attracted committed to the school and not necessarily Viking. Um, so we'll, we'll see what if they were really like, oh, I'm here to play under Viking. If Viking's gone, then I'm going to leave. I don't know how many players actually felt that way. Release the tapes. Release the tapes. <laughs> so we're at the 46-minute mark. Do you have any final thoughts before we get on out of here? Uh, just a quick nerd out. Um, Uh-oh. So I... Uh, I think I was reading uh, Reef's comment on uh, Golden Blog following the hire. Uh, shout out, Reef. Shout out. He tweets a lot. And uh, he gave the final Ken Palm rankings for uh, his nine years at Georgia, I believe. And it was 91 his first year, 63, 112, 113, 78, 35. 71, 61, 65. So, if you are a Ken Palm evangelist, I know Justice is. Uh, that's that's <laughs> interesting data right there. Um, because he never had a spectacular team. I mean, number 35 was the highest he got in Ken Palm rankings. So, I mean, that's definitely an improvement from uh, <laughs> Viking Jones, where we're in the 200s. But, what? Well, that's something I didn't. That's that's something I didn't even get to mention in this, and I guess we could save that for another conversation. Was you know offense versus defense scheme? He's always been a, a he's been a pretty good defensive coach uh, his entire tenure. Very, yeah, hard nose, man to man. I guess we can save that for another conversation. Yeah, I, I guess we should. Um, I just wanted to leave the audience with that kind of get a sense of. Maybe don't expect the uh, AP top 25. <laughs>
But we'll definitely be uh, NIT stalwarts, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what goes on with that. You know, in doing this, I think this is our second or third podcast after the season ended and i'm realizing we never got to our player grade so like you know we still got it we still got ammunition we do we got a lot of material and then you're doing the baseball podcast as well like are you sleeping right now are you eating <laughs> i've taken i've taken are you just working stats and watching film i'm just, I'm just... <laughs> Tom Thibodeau of podcasters. Like, you have no other life. It's just this. I love it, though. That's what we need. A 100% commitment. You already, you already know. know. Yeah, I've definitely been taking spring break to take a step back. I still have been working, you know, but, you know, in between all that, getting some sunshine, eating, sleeping, drinking a hell of a lot of water. Drink your water. <laughs> we got to get four. We need 40 minutes of podcasting every game. We got 40 minutes. And we should expect an article from you this week, right? Well, I am going to be at the press conference uh, tomorrow morning. Well, when the audience listened to this, like it might have already happened, but I will be there, and you know, I'll have the, you know, I'll, I'll ask the the hard hitting questions. There we go, big J journalist. Well, I'm gonna, well, I'm going to write a column on this hire, so check that out, audience. Probably like on Monday or Tuesday, hopefully, you know. You gotta gotta do this self promotion. You already know. Job demands it. With that being said, episode number nineteen of the One Golden Moment podcast. Justice Los Santos, Rory O'Toole. Signing off. <laughs>